0: Welcome to Spielin' and Dealing, the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of sandyspiel.com, and today we are breaking down the upcoming G-H-S-A 2021-2022 high school basketball season. We are looking at the boys today, a little bit of a season preview. If you've listened to the girls' podcast, you know how this one's going to break down We're going to run through all eight classifications, quickly touch on the number one ranked team in each classification, then talk about some possible storylines, some dark horses, and then we're going to hit on some teams that just missed the top ten to open up the year. So let's dive right into it. We will start with Class 7A. Number one, Milton, uh, just came out the other day that they were ranked number two in the nation, I want to say, by Max Preps. Uh, So this is a team coming off a state title run last year. They have three starters back. Uh, and you got the Ohio State commit uh, in Bruce Thornton. Kanan Carlisle is a five-star junior. you got LT Overton, probably going to be his last year playing high school basketball considering he is the number one ranked football recruit in the land, and he is a junior as well. So those big three coming back. Of course, Cam Walker really stepped up his game in the offseason. He's going to George Mason now. And then you add on Chase Cormier um, from Green Forest, a really good three-point shooter who has gotten better and better each year as a playmaker, and then Jonathan Murray, a 6'7 forward. Uh, that comes over from Alabama to um, replace Kendall Campbell, who left for Pebble Brook. So, of course, Milton. Loaded, as always. They have a lot of, uh, you know, dangerous pieces. This team is going to be playing one of the toughest schedules in the nation. Um, You know, probably the best public, best real high school in the nation. I don't consider Montverde and I don't consider IMG Academy. I don't consider those schools high schools. Those aren't high schools. Those are just basketball factories, and we're talking real public schools. I think Milton sets the standard for the entire nation. So Milton, the team to beat in Class 7A, I don't think anybody uh, batted an eye when the the preseason rankings came out and saw Milton number one. I don't think you can you can uh, you know come up with much of a a debate to say otherwise. Now, of course, it's easier said than done. Uh, to win a state title, but they did it last year and they have a lot coming back this year. So it will be difficult to repeat, but of course Milton has all the pieces in place to do so. So we have the Eagles ranked number one to start the year. Now moving down to storylines. Uh, you know, a storyline here is Newton getting the number two spot to open up over Berkmar. Again, that possibly could have surprised some people. Berkmar, you know, losing to Milton. Uh, 52-47 in the state championship, just couldn't score in the fourth quarter. Burkmar has a lot back. I mean, Jameel Rideout has gotten better and better each year. He's an elite guard in the state of Georgia. Obviously, Malik Ewing, 6'10", going to all Miss. I think he has lottery pick potential if he can uh, you know, stay focused and continue to develop. And uh, you have uh, Jamari Hill, who gets downhill, an electri- a- athlete. And then you have the two uh, move-ins that are going to be very important. Um, Antoine Hearns comes in, and then you have uh Bryson blaine, so you got six, seven, and six, five right there that are going to help replace Destin Logan and Darren Alonde, who I think is going to be missed you know he 's at Life University now, but just his toughness and his resilience on the glass a guy that was willing to do the dirty work. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Hearns can really replace that. Hearns probably a, a better prospect for the next level, probably could do a little bit more offensively, uh, but just the toughness of Alande is going to be missed. Um, but why Newton over Berkmar? Well, you know, Newton did beat Berkmar last year, 58-57, uh, so that, that is something that I guess you could say played into the fact. It doesn't mean a whole whole lot for this upcoming season, but just... The fact that Newton has all these guards that just exploded over the offseason. Ja'Kai Newton, uh, a junior that just committed to Indiana. You have Stefan Castle, who's a 6'6 guard. Another guy that's you know on the verge of becoming a five-star prospect. Marquavius Brown, another junior. Super athletic, about six four six five, And then the emergence of MJ Whitlock. I mean, this is a guy that picked up some low-major offers over the offseason. Uh, just super bouncy very good outside shooter. I think he's going to see uh, an even bigger role this year, especially with TJ Clark leaving to go to the overtime elite league, which you know, obviously that does hurt a little bit, but uh, there is no shortage of talent in the backcourt for Charlemagne Gibbons. I think the Rams are going to be very, very tough. And Whitlock, he was an X-factor when they played uh, Berkmar last year, had 20 points in that win. So this is a kid that can really play, but I think what really helps out a lot um, are the the two impact transfers inside Daniel Pounds. I think Daniel Pounds really has a chance to explode. I think he's one of the best forwards in the state of Georgia, just with his, his elite athleticism. Catches any lob at the rim, but he can push the ball. He can shoot the three. He can shoot the mid-range jump shot. Obviously, he protects the rim. Average you know, 15 points, close to 10 rebounds per game. Um, just having him to pair with Myokay K. Grant inside, who's more of a defensive-minded big man. And then you even throw in uh, Malachi Hardy, 6'5 from Morgan County, but a, a big body that can get rough underneath the basket and carve out some space for some rebounds. So there's just a lot to like for Newton. I think Newton might be a little bit deeper than Burkmar. And then another thing that I kind of worry about, um, just the overall, you know, what's going on away from the court. I know Newton, they played together the entire time. Uh, during the off-season on the travel ball circuit. And I know a lot of these Berkmar kids did as well, but there's just a lot of outside noise, I feel like. Just a little bit more outside noise with Burkmar with the, uh, you know, don't have to go in-depth with it, but just, you know, they have a lot of eyeballs on them from a lot of people in pop culture and in the rap world. So there's just a lot of pressure on these guys to succeed, and they can definitely do it. They have the talent to do it, but I do kind of worry about is that a little bit too much will there be too much in their ear i think they can block it out but i i do like newton to start the year but of course anything can change uh, but that's why i'm going with the rams i just think i like the chemistry and i just think they they might be a little bit more tight-knit right now moving on to some dark horses in the classification uh, i'm going to start with number six north gwinnett and then number seven archer uh, both teams great defensively. Uh, you're talking about Archer as a team that's very unselfish. They just have to uh, make sure they they don't get into any scoring lulls. I know that that really hurt them in their losses uh, last year when they lost to Burkmar and Norcross multiple times. They they only average over just over 42 points per game. You gotta score more than that, but they are very good at setting the tone defensively. And, uh, you know, North Gwinnett, they do the same. I think North Gwinnett probably has some more offensive firepower, so they could probably avoid those lulls. Um, and, you know, they they did it against Norcross when they held them to 37 points in the Sweet 16. But North, uh, North Gwinnett, they've been getting better each and every year. Um, you got a guy, an R.J. Godfrey, that is getting all these high major offers, just cut his list down to, what, five or six schools that he's going to choose from. Uh, that's a double-double machine inside that's going to control the paint. Uh, you add in Deterious Clayton, that's a, a dynamic six seven four that can score a little bit inside and out. Uh, Thomas Howard is a 6-6 six, six shooter. Uh, so there's just a lot 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 going on in the right direction for North Gwinnett. This is a team that, that won the region last year. Uh, they've improved from 3-22 to 11-15, 18-12 to, uh, to then 21-8 last year. So they're the team to beat, I feel like, in that Region 8. Both those teams, like I said, Archer and North Gwinnett. Archer, uh, a senior-laden group, and North Gwinnett, very experienced as well. I just like their defense and how tough they can get with these, you know, maybe teams with a little bit more firepower, a little bit more big-name players. Uh, But I do like the culture that both of those programs have. And then for teams that just missed the top 10, I'll touch on, looks like I got three of them here. South Gwinnett might be a little bit of a surprise to be mentioned. They're in that very tough region four. Got to compete with Grayson, who's ranked number four in the state. Newton, number two in the state. Um, Parkview has Asherwood, who's going to be one of the top scorers in Gwinnett County. And then Brookwood has been hitting the transfer market hard. They're trying to uh, get very good very quickly. We will see how that ends up for Coach Wright. Um, but this is a South Gwinnett team that I liked in the offseason. They started 9-1 last year. You're looking at them. They started 9-1 last year. They flirted with the top 10. They might have even cracked the pole for a week. But then they ended the season 10-9. And if you're scoring at home, that's a 1-8 finish. The wheels really fell off when they got deep into region play. But they have some very talented players. This is a veteran team. Malik Lech is a very good scorer. Marquin Thompson, if he's still there, that's an athletic dynamic guard. That really stuffs the stat sheet. Uh, six foot five wing Cameron Heathington. I saw him in the off season. I was impressed with him. And then Michael Carter's about six five six six. Just a rugged forward inside that's going to rebound, going to do what he he has to do. He knows his role. He doesn't need the ball in his hands at all times to be an effective post presence. So I like him a lot. So I think South Gwinnett could be a sneaky team that you know they might crack the top ten. They might not. But if they're able to get into the postseason, um, that's going to be a tough group to contend with in the first round. Next up, in 24-5. Mike Thompson is gone. Tremaine Ancrum is in as the head coach. Um, this is a team that is going to be, uh, you know, different. They always have a lot of talent on the roster. Jim James transferred in, a six foot five junior from Solid Rock Academy. Very explosive athlete. We'll see what he can do in the GHSA. Um, of course, we you know we're, we're hoping everybody is of course eligible. Um, but he'll be a big help. Brayden Sparks is a senior guard that's seen some big minutes now over the past two seasons. Ernest Afremu is six four, junior, a really good slasher that's done a lot of good stuff in the off season. Now we get to see if he can parlay that into a a very good uh, varsity uh, season. And then you have uh, some size when the two juniors, Jalen Hilliard, about six six, and then Josh Hayes. Uh, six, seven, both those guys, juniors, both have a lot of talent. So this is a team that might be kind of, you know, probably might have to take some time to find their identity. They might get off to a, a bit of a slow start. But once they hit the middle of the season, I think McEachin's going to be a very dangerous team in that region too, competing with Campbell, East Coweta, Pebblebrook, who's ranked number five, and even Noonan, who's going to be a, a bit different from last year's team. But I do think, of course, McEachern, always talent on the roster, a good culture over there of winning games. I think they're going to be a team that a lot of people are, uh, you know, they, they could pop up in the top 10. It's a team that just has talent, and I think they're going to get better as the season goes on. And lastly, West Forsyth, 11-14 a season ago. This has been a, a team that has been getting better and better. Um, uh, I, I think the region really opened up in Region 6 for them. You're talking about South Forsyth graduates pretty much everybody of their, their, their top players, of course. Um, they lose Devin McLaughlin, who's at Boston College now. So you lose an all-state big man right there. Uh, Gainesville graduates pretty much everybody. They're going to be in rebuild mode. Denmark, all their international transfers, it sounds like, are ineligible currently. So that zaps them of potentially being a top-ten team. That puts them back in the middle of the pack right there. Um. So all eyes are on West Forsyth to really come up and grab this region. Um. Again, harping back, another veteran team. You got six foot seven Jake Mooney going to Georgia College, averaged twelve points and seven rebounds per game. Just a really good, really good inside-out threat. And that's a that's a theme with him and six foot six Grant Moore, who's very explosive, jumps out of the gym. Two you know, sizable forwards that will play inside and out, that can post up inside and score around the basket, especially in Jake Mooney. But both of those guys can really shoot the three, so their mismatch is right there with their versatility on offense. You have another big guard in Caleb Lesh is about 6'3", a quality shooter as well. And then they have a sophomore in Will Moore, very explosive, very athletic, and a very, very good shooter who's going to see a, you know, a majorly increased role. I know the coaching staff is very excited about what Will Moore can do um, this year and in the future. So West Forsyth, a team that sitting outside the top ten right now, but if they string together two or three good weeks to open up the season, I know they have Johnson Savannah at the Sandy Spiel tip-off Classic November 13th. Um, they're playing that primetime game over there. That's going to get them off on the right foot if they can you know, muster out a victory there. I know John Savannah's going to be very scrappy. Coach Chuck Campbell does a very good job with that team over there. They're going to get after it. They're not going to have a lot of size, and they're in a, a bit of a rebuild, retooling mode. Um, but if West Forsyth can win that game and then go on and start off the season quickly, I think you could see the Wolverines potentially on the verge of cracking into the top 10 before the new year. Moving on to Class 6A, Wheeler is the team to beat number one, ranked in the state, already with back-to-back state titles, dropping down from 7A to 6A. Uh, that was not very difficult for them. I know they lost the one game to Kell, but other than that, Wheeler pretty much had their way with that classification. Now. I don't think Wheeler is necessarily quite as strong as last year just because they do lose Caleb Washington and Jaheem Hudson. You got a kid going to Dayton, a kid going to Georgia State. Uh, Hudson was just such an anchor defensively and was just just so good and I don't know how but I I just somehow feel like he was underrated. He was a terrific player. But he's not there, but obviously I do think Wheeler is still the team to beat. I think they're gonna get stronger and stronger as the season goes on. You got Isaiah Collier, a five-star junior guard. You know, all he's done in his career is win two state titles, even though he missed his freshman year with that that broken shoulder. But he's really good. And then Kyle Burns, who didn't see a whole lot of playing time last year, but he's committed to play at Radford. He's going to be in the starting lineup, I would assume, and he finally gets to show what he can do. He's always had very impressive off-seasons, but now uh, he's been patient and things kind of open up for him to get some playing time at Wheeler. And then, you know, you got got Claire Samir transfers in a 6'7 sophomore from Osborne, a good shooter that has a high upside. Jelani Reynolds transfers in from Marietta, 6'6". Cameron Brown 6'9 transfers in from Mays. So Wheeler always hits a transfer market. No surprise there. And then you had the junior Arrington Page. Um, another about 6'8, six, 6'9. Six, really looks apart. I expect him to see a lot more uh, playing time this year. Really kind of fill in for the role that uh, Jaheim Hudson left behind. So I could see Page really being a breakout candidate, not necessarily putting up the same type numbers that Hudson did. Uh, But just being very key for Larry Thompson inside a coach that really does a great job developing post players and playing inside and out, and of course, harping on uh, a tough nosed defense. And I think, you know, we're looking at that region. Region six got some good teams in there, obviously. Kell ranked number three, Osborne, who I think pops up to number five to open this year. I think the region is top heavy this year. Last year, we felt like, man, there's maybe five or six really good teams. And that means you know two teams are going to get left out of the postseason, and that's what happened. But this year I think it's more concentrated toward that top three being the, the best of the best and then everyone else kind of scrapping for that four spot. Um, so I think Wheeler definitely will be tested multiple times, especially between Kell and Osborne. Um, but I think the rest of the region is just not going to be strong enough to compete with them. But with that being said, Wheeler, number one ranked team in the state. Until someone knocks him off in 6A, it's hard to pick against them. Storylines. Um, who can stop that 3 Pete? Now, number three, Kel, they have the size this year, but don't have the same experience that they had last year at the guard position. Obviously, Scoot Henderson uh, left for the G League, so he's gone. Um, Dylan Cambridge not necessarily a guard maybe more of a wing forward type but I I love how hard he plays he's explosive Um, getting to the basket plays above the rim just brings great energy and is you know extremely extremely tough to deal with I think you're going to see Aaron Smith a six foot five wing forward type as well Um, you know if he stays healthy he's a really good double double type player and then Paris Johnson, I think he's a you know a six foot four junior. He has a chance to really uh, take on more of a a scoring load this year. I think he's ready for that. He, I, he looked pretty good in the off season when I saw him, especially at the Kennesaw State team camp. Um, but I think the size inside is going to be big. You got Samir King moved in from Gainesville at six eight close to I don't know 260 270 pounds maybe. and then you got six foot ten sophomore Peyton Marshall. From Norcross again, he's psh, was probably pushing three bills, but he's lost a lot of weight, getting in better shape. So those two twin towers give Coach Jermaine Sellers something very different to work with this year. Um, so I think Kale they have the size to give Wheeler some problems this year, or at least compete with them. Um, but I'm interested to see what they can do at the guard position. Um, one more player, Jalen Colon, uh, five foot eleven sophomore. I think he's going to see. A, a big role in the offense this year. And then you're looking at number two, Westlake. I think they have a very strong top four. Do they have the depth around them to compete with Wheeler? Uh, I know they had the star power, at least on paper, to really put up a, a really good fight. I mean, Gaddis Heath going to Charleston Southern average, 20.7 rebounds, seven assists, and three blocks per game last year as the Region 4 player of the year. Uh, you got Jalil McKee, a 6'5", Senior average just under twenty one points and over eleven rebounds per game, uh, so those two were big. And then you add on Mitchell Taylor, um, one of those D favor Celtics kids that moves in from Carver Atlanta. He's going to help out. He was an All State honorable mention pick last year. And Rodriguez Rouse is a six five, uh, junior that is a, a double double threat. So that big four right there is going to be tough for Westlake. I think that is another team that could potentially give Wheeler some problems. Just with, they do have, you know, some star power and they do match up decently across the board, but, um, you know, it'll be tough to beat Wheeler. But either way, I think Westlake and Kel, you know, that's why they're ranked, you know, Westlake number two and Kel number three. They have probably the best shot at stopping that three P. A A dark horse in the classification. I I mentioned them earlier, Osborne. I mean, Osborne was so good at the CTC Fall League. They went undefeated. They have just so much talent, multiple shooters, solid size, good athletes. They're going to be super battle-tested. Kyle Hansen moving in from Midtown, and then Keyshawn McPherson um, from McKeith are going to help. McPherson's about 6'5", forward type, uh, Hansen a guard. Uh, So those two are going to help right off the rip and you know they have uh, just a lot to choose from um i think they're going to be really really tough to deal with defensively they have some good pieces jameer chapman gets after you i think chris carroll inside at six six i think he's going to be one of the blow-up forwards that's going to you know tack on a lot of juco offers uh hopefully some d2s are able to get in on them and then of course Zako littleton going to app state Average over 19 points per game. And I think they have a freshman, a Kai Fleming, 6'2". I think he has a chance to be really, really good. And then two other dark horses I'll mention quickly in class 2, or in region 2. Um, you're looking at Statesboro and Effingham County. Statesboro, number 7. Effingham, number 8. Statesboro was 19-4 last year. Effingham County, 18-8 and eight last year. Both bring back a ton. Effingham County brings back everybody. Statesboro, not quite everybody, but a lot. Uh, both those teams, athletic football players, you know, dual sport guys. They play that, you know, that South Georgia tough style of play. They get after you. Home court advantage, especially in the postseason, if you have to drive down three, four hours, it's gonna be tough. And Effingham County, you're looking at a team that lost 67-64 to Evans in the first round of state. I mean, right there, Evans was really, really good last year. Went to the Elite Eight. They were right there with them. Um, Keon Wallace, six foot three, powerhouse football player, co-player of the year in the region. Gets down here. Then his brother Kerry Wallace, six three, senior, more slender, but a very good outside shooter. And then Statesboro, they just have a lot, a lot, a lot coming back. Very deep team, uh, led by the Region Two offensive player of the year, five foot eleven, senior Albert McKill. Um, really good, and then, you know, they got Leslie Black inside, if he continues to come back from the football field, a six foot six junior now, so just a lot of toughness, a lot of pieces, and like I said, home court advantage, going to be tough to win down there, if you play either Statesboro or Effingham, and four teams that just missed my top 10, obviously, the first one is River Ridge, 15 and 14 last year, they were really good in the offseason, um, this is a team that's, you know, probably going to jump into the pole very quickly. I could see them, you know, just a week in. They're probably number eleven right now, um, but I just want to see them do it in the regular season. Just get a, a clean week or two under their belt, and they're going to get in there quickly. A team with great size. When you have a seven footer and Braden Pearson six ten, and Jared Russo, you know that's that's tops in the state right there. Um, I think they can make me look really bad really early on, even before the season starts. I have a really bad feeling, uh, at least for the rankings side of things, that they're going to give Kel hell in their preseason scrimmage. I would not be surprised at all if they beat Kel in the preseason. Now Kel does have 6'8 and 6'10 that we mentioned earlier that can you know combat what Russo and Pierce do inside, but Pierce has gotten so much better each and every year um, that's going to be a really interesting preseason scrimmage to look at and you know the the one thing I'm, I I want to wait on with River Ridge and you know before we touch on this point let's go back and you know talk about River Ridge and Kale. they played in the postseason last year it was 58-56 in the first round Kale barely snuck by and that's when they had Scoot Henderson so if you think um, Kale is going to steamroll River Ridge or anything like that that's Probably not going to be the case, but going back to what I wanted to talk about, it's just the consistent guard play. That's just what I want to see. River Ridge, the consistent guard play. That's the one thing. When it gets deep into games, do they have the guard play that can make enough plays, especially when you're playing like an Isaiah Collier, a Kyle Burns, or some of these other, a Zocco Littleton, some of these elite guards, a Gaddis Heath, uh, a Mitchell Taylor at Westlake, do you have the guard play that can combat that and really get the job done? Um, They have, you know, Trey Hoff is a a solid passer, a really good passer. Um, David Hansraj is a very good scorer. I think he's getting better and better. Uh, I think he's their best scoring guard. And then Grant Portera is just a, a really good athlete that's starting to learn how to drive and kick and, you know, be a slasher. And his outside shot is, you know, streaky at times, but he brings a lot of good energy on defense. I just want to see, do they have that consistent guard play to elevate them into being a state title contender? Now, I think they definitely are right there in the top 10. They're definitely worthy of being a top 10 team. I think they have a lot of cohesion, you know, a lot coming back. All signs point to River Ridge getting in the top 10 and sticking in the top 10 for a very long time. But that's just the thing. Do they have that guard play that can really get them to the next level. Um, Like I said, leaving them off the top 10 to open up the season, very tough, but I know um, they're obviously already, I hear they're already using it as motivation. I have been known to be the great motivator for many a program, especially come state tournament time, but I'm not surprised whatsoever if we see River Ridge in the top 10 very quickly and that preseason scrimmage against Kale, I think they're going to come out with a lot to prove and I think they're going to have a very good showing. Next up in the top 10, Langston Hughes, 11-13 a season ago. They have seniors in Kobe Davis, who averaged over 15 points per game, and then Elijah Walden, who we've been waiting to kind of break out. He's got the body, he's got the athleticism, about 6'4", 6'5", wing, averaged 7 points and 6 rebounds. I'll be interested to see if he can put it all together and really have that breakout season, because I do think he is still scratching the surface of his potential Um, They always have size inside over there. There, you know, Roy Welsh is a very good coach. Has won state championships before, uh, and he's got some movings that I think could really help out. You got a six foot six kid named Tim James from Texas. You got a six foot one guard named Randy Latham from Ohio, and then John McQueen, six foot five wing from W D Muhammad, who I think could become a household name very quickly if those three kids are eligible and they're able to really buy in to what Coach Welsh is doing and that, that Langston Hughes way. I would not be surprised if Langston Hughes really comes on strong um, and puts together a really nice season. want to see what these out-of-state kids do, but I think Langston Hughes, they do have some talent. They're always good on defense, and they're always very battle-tested. Even though the record doesn't show it from last year going 11-13, and 13, uh, Langston Hughes, that's always a very good team always going to be peaking at the right time. So Langston Hughes is a team that I have my eye on as potentially cracking the top 10 quickly. Next up, coming out of Region 5, Alexander, 11-15 last year. Uh, Region 5 is not very strong. That was a region that um, got beat up pretty good by Region 8 last year. I believe it was a a full-on sweep, if I'm not mistaken. I see that South Paulding lost. I see that Dalton lost. I see that Alexander lost, and then uh, the game I was at, Douglas County lost. So, yes, they did get swept, but Region 8 was really good. But, yes, Region 5 did get swept last year. Um, They have a lot back, Alexander. Noah Nelson, he is going to be eligible this year. He's blowing up a big 6-4 guard. Um, He's getting D1 offers. Zion Fruster is an experienced guard that can score the ball, averaged 12 points per game. Uh, Joaquin Payne, a senior, 6'6 uh, six, six point forward, 9.6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, just a lot there, a lot there. Nunley is a, a good player. Sean Ivory is 6'7, and then Braden Lou, a man child at 6'6, 6'7 uh, sophomore. I'm sure he's going to take the next step. And Jason Slate, uh, a quality coach as well. So I could see Alexander uh, handling their business. Uh, I don't know if they're going to sweep through the region, but I could see them grabbing that number one seed, and they just have a lot of length, a lot of athletes, and a lot of guards that can score the ball. So Alexander, uh, much better than what their 11-15 record shows from a season ago. And last but not least, Habersham Central, 11-16 a year ago. Eric Maudsley is the new head coach. They were 1-11 in Region 8 last year, but they were very competitive. Now, Region 8... I don't foresee it being quite as difficult. Winderbarrel loses two D1 big men. Shiloh loses pretty much everything. I know they're going to be very good defensively, but at least on paper, they don't have as much talent as last year. Lanier loses some senior leadership. So Lanier is going to be a a team that's going to be predicated with sophomores. Um, Buford, they have a lot back and they have a new head coach in Benji Woods, so it might maybe it'll take a little bit to adjust to his style of play. But Habersham Central, I think it's there for them to get into the state tournament. Uh, Malachi Dooley was an All-State pick last year, averaged 20 points, four rebounds, four assists. A really good guard can fill it up from deep. Um, you got Bryce Pittman, a 6'3", athletic swingman. Uh, Brandon Gaines, a sophomore Got some valuable playing time last year, gonna get even better and better. And then Mikai Modsley, um, about 6'5, three-point shooter. I have seen him absolutely take over games just as soon as the ball touches his hand, it goes up and it goes in from beyond the arc. He has gotten so much more explosive with his leaping ability. He's been in the weight room. Um this is a sneaky good team, Abersham Central. Uh they were really impressive in the offseason. They picked up some good wins throughout. I mean, I know it's the offseason. It doesn't mean much, but I did see them beat Providence Christian at North Georgia. They were really good at the Suwannee Sports Academy Fall League. So Habersham Central, they are trending in the right direction. They have some veterans, Malachi Dooley, Modsley, um, Bryce Pittman, and then Gaines as a, a wildcard young player. I think Habersham Central is a team that is going to be tough to deal with, and I think they're going to be uh, a plucky team. Now, I don't see them necessarily winning that region. Maybe the two-seed is uh, a little bit tough, maybe even the three-seed. But I think the four-seed, three-seed actually too, you know, they're going to be in play. Habersham Central is going to be right there. I can tell you this much, they're going to be much better than 1-11 and 11 in Region 8 play. Now on to Class 5A, where there is no shortage of drama and storylines. But we'll start with number one, Eagles Landing. Won the state title last year. Just absolutely exploded as the best team in the state as far as in transition goes. They were just electric, getting out in fast-break situations. They just steamrolled Tri-Cities 81-69. The score was a lot More lopsided than that before Tri Cities kind of cut it close in the second half, Um, but they were just dominant, won by an average of over twenty eight points per game in the postseason. Twenty nine and one a season ago. Um, Obviously, it all starts with the junior David Thomas and then the senior A J Barnes, just two powerhouse players that are just so good at what they do. Thomas, a three level scorer, fills a stat sheet. Gets after it on defense. And then Barnes just attacks, rebounds relentlessly, plays above the rim. It's just a monster to deal with when he gets ahead of steam and gets downhill. Um, But what I'm looking for this year with Eagles landing is the improvement of Jordan Fordyce, a senior, 6'4", had a really nice offseason and had a really good second half against Tri-City. scored all 15 of his points in the second half, so he was a, a nice key player there. Um so I'm looking for the improvement of him and then 6 foot 5 junior Kenneth Brayboy a long-armed athlete. I think his improvement and you know getting a bigger role this year getting more experience is really going to help Eagles landing. Um going to be interesting to see if they can quite repeat what they did last year. They have all their key key pieces back. I know they lose some senior guards and some multi-sport athletes. Uh, but Eagles Landing is definitely the team to beat. Now, storylines, uh, transfers in Region 3. Last year, Region 3, we had three or four ranked teams um, almost at all times, it felt like, in the rankings a season ago. This year, we're talking about Region 3, and we're talking about transfers, a dirty word that always seems to get me in trouble somehow. If me, well, I don't even know. But transfers, where we had almost 200 of them this offseason, a lot of them, or a lot of the big ones, happen in Region 3. Will they be eligible? Jonesboro, A.J. Hornton is in from and Cayman Brown is in from Lovejoy. Adrian Campbell is back at Jonesboro after spending time in Texas a season ago. But then the Forest Park transfers. Now, Forest Park is completely... Done, lost, gone. We'll, we'll, we'll hit on them real quick. They lose everyone, unfortunately, from a super, super, super talented team. You could argue, make the argument that they were the most talented team in the state in Class 5A last year. But things fell apart with Daniel Pounds going to Newton. Montez Redding and Jaquez Atkins going to Jonesboro. And then Micah Norris uh, leaving as well, going to Solid Rock Academy if I'm not mistaken but with that being said let's go back up to Jonesboro Montez Redding and Jacques Akins. will they be able to play Redding was the freshman of the year in the classification a season ago and then you have Akins, who averaged over 18.6 rebounds three assists and two steals it's been back and forth is there going to be a hardship is there going to be an appeal is there going to be lawyers involved who knows I don't know But from what I do know, it sounds like both are currently ruled ineligible. There's been a lot of smoke going on with this region with players, with schools losing players. But then another program from this school gaining players all the time and this and that. When do you blow the whistle? When do you not blow the whistle? Stuff that I am not getting involved with. But with that being said, that could potentially decide or help decide or help determine what happens come February and March. If Jonesboro has Montez Redding and Jacquez Aikens, this team is super stacked up. I mean, you got Dan Mailman, a state championship winning head coach that is all about toughness and defense and accountability. If you add all those guys into what they already have from last year's Sweet 16 team, which is Devon Rainey, who's getting better and better, a junior 6'4 guard, averaged 12 points per game. You have a 6'7 senior in Giannis Woods, 8 points, 9 rebounds per game. And you have a a handful of other guards that kind of fit in and did the dirty work. Chadrick Bernard and Lathan Minifield, if those two are still there, both those guys averaged 6 points, 3 rebounds, over 3 assists per game. So you have a lot of experience coming back. If you have those Forest Park transfers eligible, that is going to be pretty darn big for the Cardinals. If they're not eligible, if just Horton and Brown and Campbell are eligible, that's three, still three. Very good players that are going to make a difference. Cayman Brown, a multi-time All Region player at Lovejoy, a slasher and a defensive-minded six foot four swingman, and then Hornton and Campbell bring different dynamics to the backcourt and some youth as well. So we'll see what Jonesboro has. But either way, if they don't get the two Forest Park transfers eligible, this team has more than enough to take a deep run in the state tournament. Next up, Tri Cities. They have added some pieces, Corey Mincy, an all-state guard from Luella, he moves in, and let's let's back up a second, Eagles landing, ranked number one, Jonesboro, ranked number two, Tri-Cities ranked number three, so number two and number three, both in region three, but going back to Tri-Cities, a state runner-up, Corey Mincy from Luella, averaged over 19 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, and over two steals per game. That's pretty important. You add in Eric Smar, who averaged nine points per game at Noonan. You add in also Ryan Matthew, a six foot-9 kid from uh, Norcross who did not see a whole lot of playing time, but 6'9 is 6'9. Also, Mundy's Mill in this region lost Noriko Danner, who was one of their top players, averaged over 15 points per game. He is at Tri-Cities now. Will he be eligible? Again, we don't know. We don't know. It sounds like whatever happened at Monday's Mill wasn't great, so we don't know if he's going to be eligible or not. But from what I've been told, he's at Tri-Cities. Again, remains to be seen if he will be able to play. Another player that's up in the air, we have no idea. Is he even going to play basketball this year? How about Leiden Pate? He was at Tri-Cities, then goes to Banneker, then tries to transfer back to Tri-Cities. Last I heard, he's not on the team at Tri-Cities anymore. He was really good in the offseason. This is a kid that probably averaged ah, close to 15 points per game with Tri-Cities. Who knows if he's there? I don't think he's there. I don't know where he's going to end up. Who knows? That's someone to kind of keep an eye on if he resurfaces as an eligible piece somewhere. But either way, even not even having to talk about all these transfers, Tri-Cities, they're not ranked this high just because of the transfers. They have Simeon Cottle, a six foot one Kennesaw State commit, a great point guard that's going to showcase his scoring even more this year. A really good playmaker, just a heady player, crafty, smart passer. He's really good. So he's going to be that cornerstone for Coach Omari Forts, who is one of the best coaches in the entire state. So he's going to have him to lead the show. It doesn't matter who's next to him or not. He'll be just fine. Um, Kendon Wilberg, a 5'10 junior, I expect him to see more playing time. And then 6'9 senior William Norwood, I expect him to be at Tri-Cities as well still. He could see a little bit more PT as well. But it's all always, I feel like, about guard play at Tri-Cities. They graduate so much from last year's team, but they do have a lot of talent back on the roster. So that is a storyline to keep an eye on. Eligibility in Region 3, it's going to determine a lot in Class 5A. Now, a dark horse in Class 5A. Let's go with number 6, Clark Central. They were a dark horse last year when they kind of caught fire and eh, flew under the radar, but they made it to the Elite 8. They finished 20-7, and seven, but they were doing it with a bunch of football players, which usually, you know, multi-sport guys like that, sometimes it's tough to win with just multi-sport guys especially when you're in class 5a when you're in class 2a or class 3a it's more expected but at a bigger classification in class 5a when you're really a lot of your top dudes are football guys you know it's it's kind of different but Clark Central very tough uh Dr. Stefan Smith the region coach of the year in region eight um he has a lot to work with this year i feel like they're going to be a tough team the gladiators um, they have tyson jones a 6'8 junior that moves in from evans he could be unleashed this year and could kind of have a breakout season you have roderick jones a senior that transfers in from uh, monsignor donovan where he averaged 22 points five rebounds six assists four steals per game now Obviously, the level of competition is much, much weaker in that league than it is in the GHSA, but you average 22 points per game. You must be doing something right. He's going to be a potent offensive piece. Now, I don't think he's gonna recreate those same numbers, but he's gonna be a kid that can score the ball for the Gladiators. And then also, we're uh, we're looking at guys like Antonio Jewel, a real small guard, maybe 5'5, five, 5'6, five, five, but he's a spark plug. And then Lamar Haynes, I really liked what I saw from him, a 6'3 senior, uh, a wing-forward type guy that crashes the board, plays with huge energy, plays bigger than his size. I like him to play a key, key piece for Clark Central. And let's be honest, you're in Region 8, where I think Region 8 is 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 better. But you know it's a it's a winnable region. It's very winnable. You're looking at Walnut Grove, who comes in at number seven this year. They had a lot of transfers move in and a couple pieces left over, so Walnut Grove's going to be uh, quite competitive. But they were just ten and fifteen last year. And outside of Walnut Grove, you have Loganville, who was fifteen and nine, but they peaked a little too soon last year. I think they're going to be they'll be in the mix this year. But other than that, Johnson Gainesville, no Jackson County. I don't foresee that happening. Greenbrier. Um, they could be a state playoff team, but do I see them winning that region? I don't think so. Then Appalachie, still a team that is kind of figuring themselves out. And then Eastside as well, they they lost some seniors. So I, I do think it's it's up for grabs. I do think Clark Central could be in a good position to take care of business and win that region. Now, Let's talk about some teams that miss the top ten. Chapel Hill, they're they're being very mean to me on Twitter. They're saying it's personal. It's not personal at all about Chapel Hill, eighteen and eleven, not making the top ten to open up the season. I got to see what they can do. Ch- Chapel Hill, they always have a lot of talent, um, but they need to replace Micah Bell and KJ Doucette, Both those guys that's roughly over thirty points per game uh, this year. We know Shai Shannon is very athletic. Can he lead this team? offensively. We know Kelvin Hunter is an intriguing prospect uh, at six foot eight and can step outside and shoot three, average seven points and six rebounds. Can he carry the load inside? Chapel Hill always has guys. They always have guys. But even last year, it took till the state playoffs for this team to peak and really reach their potential. I think they made it to the final four before they ran into that buzzsaw against Eagles landing, losing 91 to 49. But Chapel Hill, yes, I know they have talent. And yes, they were a team that, like I said, they're probably number 11 right now on my uh, top 10 list. But I want to see what they can do. Makai Bell is not there. That was, you know, an X factor. KJ Doucette was another great player. You lose a lot of important pieces. And, you know, I want to see if they can find some guys to step up, because I know it was just one game, but I saw them in the GBCA against Windsor Force and they got just blasted, and that doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but it looked like a team that was still trying to figure out their identity. And they might have it figured out by now. Or like it did last year where they, you know, they had Bell transfer back in, it might take until maybe the middle of the season until they start to gel and kind of figure out their groove. But for now, Chapel Hill, I got to see it before I just put you in the top ten. Next up, Monday's Mill, 13-9. and nine. Those transfers hurt. Uh, Bryson Ogletree, he's supposed to still be there. That's a kid, very athletic, uh, can fill up the stat sheet, does a lot of stuff. Um, for Monday's meal, and then Henry Dodell, uh, transferring in a very good shooter. He will provide some more um, offensive firepower, and then uh, you're looking at this team that always has some size inside. The Tigers will always have some big dudes that can protect the paint and score around the basket. But they're in that tough region three. You're competing with Jonesboro, and you're competing with Tri Cities. You're behind the eight ball right there. So you're looking at a three or a four seed. And I think a three or four seed is very, very doable. Woodward Academy should be way down this year. Um, Bannaker, Creekside, Drew, you know those are teams that haven't really been able to put their stamp on the state lately. So Monday's Mill, they're sitting at a potential three seed right now, if everything, um, you know pans out how maybe it should. Uh, so Monday's Mill, if they can beat up on the rest of that region and kind of hold their own against the top two, I think they could be a team that could crack the top 10. And lastly, Jones County, 11-10 a season ago. They're in Region 4. Dutchtown should not be as strong as last year's team, and Eagles landing is still a major problem. But you have a junior in Jalen Sanford, average close to 17 points per game. You have four of your top five back. You have great coaching in Buck Harris. Uh, you have Shaden Stone, who had a really good offseason, averaged over 12 points per game uh, as a junior. Uh, Dathan Harris I really like him the junior point guard eight points and four assists per game I really like how he can just manipulate defenses and control the tempo and really get the ball where it needs to go and they did play Eagles landing fairly tough you know they they lost 83 to 69 and they lost 64 to 52 so I mean that's better than what most teams can say especially teams that saw Eagles landing in the state playoffs I do think this Jonesboro team is a sneaky good team don't be surprised if they sneak up and get a 2 or a 3 seed uh, and and they can, you know, we're talking about a team that could make it to the sweet 16, potentially elite 8 depending on matchup. Up next is Class 4A home of the only undefeated team in the state last year. That was Baldwin at 17 and 0 won the state championship. They ranked number 1 to open up the season this year. Um only lose three players from a deep team last year. Christian Burnett, long-awaited debut, didn't play last year, will finally get to play. Have heard nothing but good things about him in the offseason over the past two years. They have a super strong junior class, Jacoby Nixon, Rudolph Satcher, Shatavius Hogan. Um, Anthony Webb is a very good coach. He's been able to get the job done. He's He's won a lot of games at Hancock Central, he's won a lot of games at Baldwin now, Uh, and this Baldwin team, they're just very deep, never-say-die attitude, they get after you nonstop, and I think they are, you know, they're going to be tough to beat, especially if they get another home game in Macon, I mean, it was all red everywhere, Milledgeville is not too far away from Macon, so Baldwin, the team to beat, they are going to be very tough this year, and you it's one of those things where it's um, the the sum of the parts greater than the whole. Whatever it is, the sum the sum is uh, let's pull it up here. Uh, the sum is greater than the, the more sum. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Okay, that's that's live broadcasting right there. The sum is greater than the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and that's what Baldwin is, and that's why. You know, you might not see five Baldwin players on all state preseason or anything like that. This is a super balanced team. When everyone's getting theirs and averaging eight points and nine points, it doesn't matter who eats because every mouth is getting fed. And when you have a team chemistry like that where they care about winning over individual stats, that's what you see from Baldwin last year. And that's how they won a state title, just using a deep, a deep rotation of, you know, maybe it's Hogan one night, maybe it's Nixon in the next, maybe it's Burnett, maybe it's Thatcher They take turns leading the team in scoring, and that is why the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Next, let's talk about storylines. Well, we talked about 4A being wide open a season ago, and uh, it definitely is wide open again this year. Um, I think... You know, the depth is what separates the top three for me. Baldwin we just talked about. Very deep. They'll play ten guys. And then you look at number two, McDonough. Very deep with a lot of guards. A lot of very good guards that can get after you and do a lot. Uh Amon McDowell is very tough. Um, some other guys that they have are very good as well that can really you know, change the pace. Davion Thomas is going to be eligible this year. I think he is going to play a huge role and could be an All-State guy right away. Um, you're talking about Avante Nichols transfers in from new creation. Christian jumps out of the gym. Um, just so much to deal with just at the guard position alone. Then you look at number three, Spencer. This is a team that has gotten nine transfers over the past two seasons. Third depth is... Is more so with the bigs. You got Jalen uh Drake that transferred in from Jordan 6'7 245 pounds. You have James Meyer, 6'4, 215 pounds. Sean Hollis is in from Chattahoochee County, 6'4, 210. Even Vashawn Moody is 220 pounds at 6'1. And of course, all those guys pair around Tyson McDaniels, a 6'7 junior, who I think has a chance to be one of the best players in the entire classification if he's just put in the proper position and is able to grow. Sometimes, you know, playing in that 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 style of play where you're, you're on for two minutes and you're off for two minutes and, you know, subbing in and out can sometimes hurt the stats. But I do think Tyson McDaniels is a future D1 player. But that's what really separates the top three teams, I think, is just the depth with Baldwin, McDonough, and Spencer. A lot of athletes, a lot of good guards, Spencer more so on the big side with uh, talented big fellas, Um, but a lot of depth is what I'm looking at in Class 4A. A dark horse in Class 4A, number six, Cedar Shoals. I love the big three they have coming back. Kashyyyk Brown, reigning Region 8 player of the year, averaged over 21 points per game. Jordavian Colbert's a tough, undersized guard that comes off the football field. And Elijah Curry, really Interesting prospect. Really look good in the off season. This is a tough-nosed team, an experienced team coming out of a region where you know they're they're going to be battle tested. North Oconee is ranked number eight in the state to open up. They got some shooters. They got some solid size around the rim that rebounds. Jefferson always is in the mix um, with a great you know head coach and Kevin Morris. Very good. They're um, looking at Chesapeake, a team that could really see a bump this year. Outside shooting and a couple pieces that moved in, and then you have Jamie Brooks added to the bench, going to bring a lot of scouting, a lot of X and O's that's really going to help coach Plemons in his first year as a head coach. So, you're looking at a good coaching staff with a team that's starting to buy in. So, Region 8 is going to be sneaky good this year, sneaky good this year, but Cedar Shoals, I just really like this team. Uh, Draco Thomas, a really good head coach, he's been to the state championship numerous times he's 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 almost tasted it he's he's got it you know he sniffs it but he hasn't been able to taste the state championship quite yet he hasn't taken a bite out of the big peach he's getting there this who knows possibly could be the year i mean they were 20 and 9 a season ago and they were a very good team um they fell short in the elite eight lost by 20 to Westover, but this team is always in the hunt and Cedar Shoals is going to be right there with that devastating big three led by Kashyyyk Brown. Undersized guards, but really tough, really tough to stay in front of. Teams that just missed the top 10 in Class 4A, Marist could be a surprise to some, 7-13 and 13 a year ago. But boy, do they control the pace and do they grind you into dust defensively. Allowed just 47 points per game. Played a very tough schedule last year. They actually swept Mays 3-0 in the three games they played. They swept Mays. Um, Mays currently ranked number 7 in the state. And they took care um, took care of Mays. And they, they were a thorn in their side. Uh, Mays did not score 40 points once in the three games that... Maris beat them, and mind you, this they beat them all three games by double digits. They beat Mays uh, by 12 points, they beat them by 15 points, and then they beat them by 17 points. So, Maris they have something to say, and they have a good amount coming back. Um, you're looking at Luke Harpering, sophomore, obviously the son of Matt Harpering, who played in the NBA for many, many years. You got a junior in Jesse Gaines, a solid guard, a junior in Bet- Ben Ritger. A solid wing type player. A junior and Grant Erickson. I really like his physicality around the rim. He can score with his back to the basket. Only about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but plays bigger than his size. That's a good core right there. But then you add in the Ledford tw- brothers, almost twins. The Ledford twins, brothers. 6'4", uh, junior, Garrett Ledford was a Gisa All-State pick at Brookwood a season ago. He brings some athleticism and some playmaking, and then the sophomore Davis Ledford. So those two brothers, they add them into the mix at Marist. I don't think Marist is going to struggle to score quite as much as they did a season ago. I think the War Eagles are a team that could sneak up on some people, and obviously you have to be ready to play some long possessions because they are going to defend at a high level. Next up, Jenkins, 13-9, team coming out of that really small region three, just four teams, so they're going to be in the state playoffs no matter what. They lose their top three, but they do add some big pieces, and Larry Pounds, a junior that is you know, coming over from Groves, always has been a prolific scorer in travel ball the past two seasons. I feel like he's averaged close to 20 points per game, wiry guard that can really score it at multiple levels. And then Keith Floyd, um, you know, Keith Floyd is who I was speaking of. Larry Pounds, a junior, is coming over from Johnson-Savanna, Savannah, is going to bring some guard play. But Keith Floyd is coming from Groves, a very good scorer that can get uh, buckets at multiple levels. And then they add those two to Juwan Boggs, who's just a physical guard, forward, wing type, kind of plays every position, gets a lot of rebounds. I think those three right there, Floyd the scorer, Pounds, a playmaker, and then Boggs, just a versatile do-everything piece for Jenkins. They could put the Warriors in the mix of potentially being a top-10 team after losing a lot of seniors. And then lastly, Central Carrollton, 18-11. and 11. I liked what I saw in the CTC Fall League. They're playing in Region 7. I think they should be better than all those teams in that region. I know they're going to be more athletic than most of them. Cedartown has some good athletes over there, but JoJo Bell should be able to dominate this region. I sh- I think he should be the early favorite for region player of the year. That's a kid that can get you 20 points, seven rebounds, three assists, three steals, and three blocks every single night, especially in that region with just how dynamic he is. He can get downhill. He's a really good three-point shooter. I think he's one of the more slept-on prospects in the state of Georgia. Um, I don't know if D2s have enough guts to offer him, but anything – other than that, I mean, you should be all over him. I think this is a kid that could really take off once he gets to the college level. Maybe junior college for a year to, uh, you know, get even stronger. I know he's got some good grades, so it doesn't need that academically. But maybe that for player development. Maybe he goes NAIA. I think Jojo Bill is a really good player. And then you add in the, the sophomore Max Young shot the ball extremely well. That's a kid that can pepper you for three or four threes a night. And then the senior guard Brian Bain just does a little bit of everything, handles the ball, gets under you defensively at five foot eight, five foot nine, sets a tone um, with his playmaking, loves a drive and kick, can score a little bit here and there. I like that nucleus of those three right there for Coach Kenny Edwards. So Central Carrollton, I like them to win Region 7. I think they could be a good team. That could be a tough draw for someone come state tournament time. Over in Class 3A we go. Number one, Sandy Creek. They did not get the job done last year. They are not as talented as last year's team, but they still do have too much talent to ignore. Uh, you got Micah Smith going to be a sophomore now. Vic Newsom's a junior that is a returning leading scorer at eight points per game. Uh, obviously, Amari Brown is going to be a huge shot in the arm. I think he's going to be you know, possibly their leading scorer this year. I think he's a, a great player. And then Aiden Beverott, a six foot seven plug-and-play forward that comes over from Louisiana. So you got all that talent there. Um, but this is a much younger team, and that's what you got to kind of look at. Will this youth be a good thing or a bad thing? Now, obviously, Sandy Creek was just steamrolling everybody last year. And they were supposed to win the state title last year, and they did not. And I don't know if that was – I don't know what that was. It was just – did not work out cross creek really punched them in the mouth and they did not respond well now as a young team they do have that target on their back as being number one um but maybe being a younger team maybe it's not you know that pressure of if we don't get the job done this year you know we don't get the job done we we end our career without a state title and Sandy Creek has always been so close. They've been, you know, always have so much talent, and they're they're right there, they're right there. And then something happens, something, you know, some type of misstep. But with this young team, as two sophomores and Brown and Smith, and the junior and Newsom, and then Bevrot, who's new to Georgia, you know, maybe it's just one of those things where it's okay. We're I don't want to say they're playing with house money, but compared to what last year's team was doing, uh, maybe the the pressure isn't as much as last year and maybe they do get the job done this year and they're playing in region five which has traditionally been uh, a pretty talented region a a strong region Um, but I don't think it's going to be necessarily quite as strong as last year Carver Atlanta takes a little bit of a hit Um, Salem going to be tough I know they're ranked number three but I don't know if Salem's going to be as good considering they lose their top two scores at the guard position GAC will be okay. Um, but I, I just think Sandy Creek too much talent to ignore to open at number one. And that kind of leads into my next storyline though. Um Windsor Forest, I think they could be this year's Cross Creek. Uh this is a veteran team. Uh they only lost by one on uh, uh you know a shot with two seconds left, 77-76 in the final four to Cross Creek. You got Deontay Bass, who's about to be committing soon. Um, 16 points, 7 rebounds a game, a freak athlete. So right there, that's going to be tough to deal with. you got Javante Landy, transfers in from Beach, who's going to replace Shamar Norman, average 17 points per game. you got a a physical uh, junior in Dante Dorman, who transfers in from Bethesda Academy. So you add those two right there, you already got some other guys that have been in the mix and know their role, and Quaron Anderson, 7 points per game, and Mike Caballero, just under nine points per game. I think this Windsor Forest team has as much of a right to be ranked number one as Sandy Creek, and I think they're going to be ranked number one quickly. As long as they don't lose a game, if Sandy Creek loses a game, I think Windsor Forest is going to be number one. I don't think there's much of a room for error as there was last year, even though Sandy Creek didn't lose many games last year. But... I just think this year you're talking about a veteran team, much like what Cross Creek was last year with pretty much all seniors. You got similar type feel with this Windsor Forest team. You got a dynamic athlete on the wing and at the forward position in Bass that can jump out of the gym. So you got that athleticism, you got that perimeter scoring in Landy, a good solid guard. Um, I just think Windsor Forest, if you know if Sandy Creek slips up and Windsor Forest puts together a clean clean week, I think you could see the Knights at number one. And uh, I know Windsor Forest, I would assume, I would hope that they're going to be challenging themselves in the non-region schedule, which I'm sure they will be, but Windsor Forest is going to be tough. And don't be surprised, you know, Sandy Creek ranked number one right now, but um, Windsor Forest could be a good bet to win a state title this year, just because of everything I mentioned before, but I think those two teams really interchangeable right now. Um, But come February and March, maybe the veteran leadership is more so on that that Windsor Forest side, but we shall see. I think it's going to be competitive throughout. And another storyline is just Region 8, maybe the most fun region just with all the differing styles of play. You got number six, Hart County, probably at the top two players in that region and J.C. Curry and Taj Johnson, what will they do without Spud Webb? Um, That will be interesting to see, but talent-wise, you probably have the two best recruits. Um, I'm not even going to say probably. They do have the two best next-level recruits on the roster, and that is a team that went to the Final Four last year, but they only have three players, and that's including Sean Teasley now, that played pretty much any minutes a year ago. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what Coach Harry Marsh does to replace the rest of that roster. Then you got number eight, Oconee County, an elite shooting team. An elite shooting team with Zach Oxley that can just fill it up. You know, Trevor, his brother, as well, is a very good shooter. Then you're looking at the rest of that team that spaces the floor so well. Um, Amari Burston is a, a good quick guard that can get to the lane, can pull up from the mid range. Jack Lonnie a good playmaker. David Batts, more of a wiry athleticism, and then you got some size inside with Noah Hutchinson and James Whitmire that just do the dirty work. But they're elite three point shooting. This is a team that could, you know, put up eight, nine, ten, eleven threes on you in the blink of an eye, and they can do that in one half as well. So Oconee County, just their floor spacing and their their cohesion together, very dangerous. You got Monroe Area at number nine, athletic, balance. They got size inside. Uh, with Damarian Whitner, one of the better post presences in Georgia, averaged eight points and nine rebounds. Fonte Newell is now a, a sophomore, could take a leap as a score, but was a very good passer a season ago, and did shoot 37% from three. Dre Ross is 6'2", just does a little bit of everything, stuffs the stat sheet. So Monroe area with the outside, with the inside, with the athleticism, Kevin Strickland has a team that can go pretty deep as long as they buy in. And stay focused, and then you look at a Franklin County team well, why are they not ranked? They have their top three back they're powerful inside um, with John Tavian Hughes a big bruiser at six foot four six foot five same goes with Keelan Rutledge six four six five uh, just committed to play football at the Division one level who has a terrific nimble feet, and from what I saw last year, is a twenty ten and five candidate. Now football may have you know. She may have shifted his focus a little bit more towards football, rightfully so, since he's committed to play football at the next level. Uh, but if he's gets back into basketball shape and he can still go, he when he's at his best, he's one of the best post presences in Georgia. Just with his footwork, his ability to score with his back to the basket, his passing is elite for a big man. He causes a lot of issues. And then David Witcher, super bouncy, another about 6'3" maybe 6'4 on a good day, can jump out of the gym. So that front court alone of Franklin County is going to cause a lot of issues, and Coach Jason Shaver is one of the best with the X's and O's. And then another team, Stevens County, undersized but scrappy. They get at you defensively. They're dangerous. They play till the final buzzer. They can shoot the ball a little bit as well um Corey Ritchie is talented Tyrese Mackey Aaron Scott is a sophomore that can just you know jitterbug quit the quickness Cameron Lacey is a football player that provides some energy at the guard spot and then the freshman Javin Gordon has some polish to his game so you're looking at coach Hughes with a lot of options to turn to right there in Stevens County so those you know what is that right there that's one two three four five teams right there and then East Jackson. They're just going to get beat up on night in and night out, unfortunately for them. But the rest of this region is really good. You could see a lot of teams beating each other, a lot of teams splitting. I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining region standings to watch. And, of course, the region playoffs. You could have a number one seed go into that region tournament and you know end up slipping to a four seed. Anything can happen now. You know, it depends on how the the region lines up. But with that being said, you could see a region, you know, the the region one, the top seed in that region end up not being the top seed is what I'm trying to say. So um, it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be leaving one good team out in the cold, at least one good team out, not making the state tournament this year. So region eight, just a lot to look forward to and just a lot of differing styles of play. Now, before I go into my dark horse, um, I want to touch on a team. I already touched on a little bit, and I see that, you know, the Twitter and the, the, the Facebook isn't happy. But Cross Creek, the defending state champs, 25-4, and 4. how are they not ranked people? Do you understand graduation? These players aren't here anymore. They lose their top four. Devin Pope, 18 points per game. Corey Trotter, 16 points and 13 rebounds. Richard Visitation, 12 points and 6 assists. Josh Dorsey, 7 points per game. That is 54.2 out of their 67.7 points per game out of the top four alone, not including a couple other seniors that didn't play as much. That's over 54 points that graduated. No, you're not ranked to start the top 10 not ranked in the top 10 to start the season that may, make no sense it doesn't matter that you have other players back yeah you might have some other players back but if they play 2 minutes per game it doesn't matter you're losing your top 4 players you're losing 54 points per game you have less than 13 points per game coming back out of the 57 points they scored in the championship game they have 14 points coming back 12 of those came from Antoine Lorick a junior who I believe is still at Cross Creek who I do think is really good and is going to get better and better but no by no means should Cross Creek be ranked in the top 10 that makes no damn sense if you have pretty much a completely different roster no 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 no, Cross Creek should not be ranked. Now, could they be ranked by the end of the season? Definitely. Could they still win the region? Definitely. But that makes no sense for me to rank a team that has almost nobody back from last year's team in the top 10. Makes no sense. You've got to earn it. you got to prove it. What What happened last year was last year. And especially if what happened last year was with a whole different cast of characters, No, why would you be ranked in the top 10 to open up the year? That makes no sense. No, they're not ranked to open up the year, but that does not mean I think Cross Creek is going to be terrible this year by any stretch of the imagination. No, they're going to be right there. They're going to be in the thick of things. But no, you have to earn it. Last year was last year. This year is this year. You have a completely new roster. you got to earn it this year. No, Cross Creek, you are not deserving of the top 10 right now you got to show it on the court with your new team so no you're not a top 10 team right now but you might be in a few weeks so let me go on to my dark horse sorry i had to had to uh handle some business in the csra as i feel like i always have to but oconee county that's my Dark Horse team I already talked about. It. I won't go too much deeper into them. Number eight in the state, their three-point shooting is a great equalizer. A veteran team, a team that was really close to putting a, uh, a scare into Salem a season ago as a three-seed. Salem was a two-seed. They only lost 56-49, and they were right there with Salem in the first round for much of that game. So Oconee County, a Dark Horse to get hot and make a little bit of a run. Teams that just missed out on the top 10. No, we're not going to talk about Cross Creek. We have already talked about them. But we will hit on White County, 16-7. Coming out of Region 7, they got really hot last year. The core is back. The junior, Jaden Yeh. 15 points per game, the senior Silas Mulligan, 14 points per game, and another senior, Kenny Simpson, 10 points per game. Now, they lack size, and they do lack some athleticism in certain areas, and that's pretty much why they got beat by, what was it, about 50 points. They lost 95-37 to to Sandy Creek last year. That was uh, not a very good ending to the season, but that's how good Sandy Creek really was last year. Even though they lack some size and maybe some game-changers, as far as playing above the rim, this is a dangerous team that is continuing to get better, and Jaden Ye is one of the best guards in North Georgia. Very talented, and he's starting to get some attention from some D1 schools. Next up, in Region 3... Southeast Bullock 9 and 8 you know Bullock County versus Chatham County with this covid stuff it was a nightmare what you can play no you can't play this that screwing other people up with the the, the schedule it, it was it was bad and hopefully they got that stuff figured out this year but Southeast Bullock it appears to me on paper that Everybody's back. Their top three are all seniors. Tyler Griffin, about six four, six five, average over fourteen points per game. AJ Williams, a quality guard, close to fourteen points per game, and Christian Clark, a uh, uh, just a play every position, six two, six three point forward, averaged thirteen points per game. That's a really quality big three right there, and I, I like this team. And if you consider, you know, Windsor Force, obviously the team to beat in Region Three, but I like that team a lot in Southeast Bull to get into the state tournament. And, you know, all seniors, if they do what they're supposed to do on paper, this is a fairly dangerous team. I know they got beat up pretty good in the the first round last year, 88-43 to Peach County. I'm not sure what happened there, but I do think Southeast Bulk is a quality team. And next up, I got another team from Region 3, Groves, 9-9, top three are seniors. They're back, Tremaine Johnson, 14 points per game. Ikeen Johnson, a shade under 14 points per game. And then you got the Chipola commit, Gerald Colonel, Colonel, however you want to pronounce his last name, 6'7", 7.3 points, 14.6 rebounds per game. I want to say that's tops in the state, and then 7.8 blocks per game, tops in the state. So you have the the best rim protector in Georgia anchoring that team. Now, can they score enough? That'll be something that remains to be seen, but this is another senior-laden group, much like Southeast Bullock. So Southeast Bullock, Groves, they're going to be chasing Windsor Force. Uh, Johnson Savannah, they are in a bit of a retooling, rebuilding year. You know, Amandre Bull Gum, gone. Jaheim is gone. You know, they, they lose some pieces, but they're going to be well coached. They're going to be scrappy. They do have a couple talented guards that could come to fruition this year. Antonio Baker is really good, averaged 14 points per game last year. Um, but I do think you're looking at, you know, a, a, a group like that Windsor Force, Southeast Bull, Groves. Those are three teams right there that should probably make the uh, the region tournament, and then either Johnson or maybe Beach comes to life. You never know, but uh, Groves and Southeast Bullock on paper, senior teams, a lot back. They could be very dangerous this upcoming season. Coming out of the coast, down in Class Two A, no surprise. Number one team in the state is Pace Academy. Uh, They are going to be quite difficult to beat. They won back-to-back state titles now. Sharman White continues to add to his trophy case. Um, Not going to be quite as strong as last year. Obviously, when you lose Matt Cleveland and Cole Middleton and Madison Durr, that's a huge big three. Um, But you have Josh Reed that's going to be there, going to step up and be the go-to guy for them. average uh, over 16 points eight rebounds per game going to Cincinnati then you also have uh, a sophomore in LJ Moore that's going to improve Bryson tiller 6 eight freshman and then the sophomore transfer Kyle Green at the guard spot so uh you know pace Academy going to be very difficult to beat I think the development of their young players is going to carry them throughout the year uh, I think there's some teams that have a little bit of talent and a little bit more experience than pace academy but I just don't think um they can necessarily match a, a Josh Reed and then the X and O's of Coach White, and then I think Kyle Green is going to play a major piece, and then you have a six-eight freshman inside. Uh it, it looks like Pace Academy is definitely the team to beat in class two A. Storylines in class two A. Who can catch pace? Well, number two, Columbia is strong on paper, as they were last year. They have uh two talented Veterans and Mason Lockhart, a six foot six post presence that averaged over 13 points and 10 rebounds per game. And then you also have Quay Harrison, about 6'3, six, 6'4 six, wing that can shoot the ball and can get downhill a little bit. And I really do like the upside of Makai Turner, a six foot seven sophomore. I think he could be a very interesting piece if he continues to grow and continues to get better continues to develop his low post game where I think he already has a a, a solid foundation offensively and he's very active on defense I like what he brings to the table um, for coach McRae so this is going to be interesting to see if Columbia can finally get over the hump they do have some athletes Rashad Hedges Jaden Baugh and then you do have Amir Green Jones who's added to the team on his third school a lefty three-point shooter and then Jamari Piercy who is a A Region 2 5A second team selection from Griffin. He put on Twitter, he's got an offer from Cincinnati. So I got it. definitely not a household name in Georgia yet. He could explode this year if that's legit. He could be a very key X factor for Columbia. Who else could potentially hang with Pace? Well, number four, Butler. They were 58-44 losers to Pace in the postseason last year. And then number six, Thomasville, 56-44. Those two teams played pace academy at the closest last year thomasville has more back than butler i think harrison jackson and aj dent both juniors uh jackson about 6'6 dent about 6'4 6'5 both wings uh dent maybe a little bit more of a forward could be breakout players i think this thomasville team could be pretty pretty good this year and jarae randall transferring in from pelham where he averaged 13 points per game i think that could help out a lot but you're looking at a Butler team that's going to be battle-tested coming out of Region 4. They do have Kadar Bode, averaged over 11 points per game. And he has a, a running mate, a six foot five forward, that I think really protects the rim well. I, I think that's a guy that's going to pop up on some junior colleges and some other small school radars. And Chance Finklin averaged 4 points, about 6 rebounds, and 2 blocks per game a year ago. Uh, but I saw him at the GBCA. I really loved how good his hands were. High points, rebounds, and can defend the rim at a high level. So I think Butler still has some pieces there. They're going to have to replace the uh, Region Player of the Year in Ronnie Striggles. But I do think Butler is still going to be pretty tough. A dark horse in Class 2A. It's always Chituga. You know They have four starters back. They lost in the first round last year to Columbia after they, they dropped to... Um, you know dropped the model in the the region tournament and that put them in a bad position as a two seed where they had to host columbia who was a three seed Um, but chatuga four starters back now they lose cash allen and that's really going to hurt but you know if they have home court advantage in the state playoffs and you're looking at a model team that does lose uh, some key pieces they lose um, carson cole a very good guard model does have a, a decent amount back but chatuga They have everything, including the region player of the year back in Jalen Johnson, who averaged over 15 points per game. But if you have home court advantage in Somerville, that can be a very difficult place to play in because they rallied the community. Uh, Coach Jared Gross has that 1-3-1 zone that causes a lot of fits, and you have some shooters. They love to launch threes. Damian Smith, who was a freshman of the year, not this past year, but a year ago, now enters his junior season. If he continues to get more dynamic off the ball, with getting to the basket. I know he's only about 5'8, but he has super deep range. He can fill it up. Brody Mobs can shoot the ball and then keep an eye on the freshman Xavier Gray. I've heard really good things about this kid. He could be a natural about 6'2, big-time athlete, gets to the basket, a true basketball player, something that, you know, can sometimes be hard to come by for Chittuga, but they think That community, that coaching staff, they think this kid could be one of the best players in school history. And they expect him to see big minutes right away as a freshman. Coach Gross has no issue throwing freshmen into the mix uh, in year one. So Xavier Gray, remember that name. He could be a very key player. Now another dark horse is Northeast Macon. We have Northeast Macon currently ranked number eight in the state. This is a team that has their top eight back, including Travion Solomon, who already has offers from D2 schools and holds a Mercer offer as well. One of the best point guards in the entire state. He can really make this team go, orchestrates the offense, and is a solid facilitator and gets after it on defense. So I like him and that senior leadership over there at Northeast making to be a team that could potentially rise up in the rankings and could be a tough out come March. Next, a team that missed the top 10. We just talked about him for a second, Model 22-6 22-6 out of that region with Chattooga Region 7. Those two teams have been butting heads for years now. Lose Carson Cole, but three of their top four are back. Dane Fisher is a very good shooter that can control a game with his outside stroke. The senior averaged 16 points per game. And then you have a junior and Joaquinus Hurd at 6'5", and then the sophomore Jeremiah Hurd at 6'7". So they have size inside. They have a very good three-point shooter. Now it just depends on what else can Model put around those three. I think this is a good team. I think losing Cole hurts, but I do think Model is getting better and better each year, and that is a team that I have that just missed on making it to the top ten. Now we head on to Class A Private. Number one, Providence Christian. This was a very good team a year ago. Um, I'm looking at a team that finished 23 and 5, got put out by the eventual state champs in Mount Pisgah a year ago. And they have a lot back. They have their top two players back. Um, I'm a little interested. I wouldn't say concerned, but I am interested to see what they have as a third scoring option because you know they're going to have it uh, locked down. You got the, the Citadel commit. And Tony Carpio inside, six foot eight, one of the best, most polished post presences in Georgia, and you have the six foot four guard in Chance Thacker, who is really, really good as well. Both those guys average over sixteen points per game. Uh, he's going to VMI. Uh, they combine for thirty three points and thirteen rebounds, but they are in desperate need of a third score. Will it be Sam Witt, who transferred in from Johns Creek? Will it be KJ Kemp? Will it be Holden Johnson? Will it be somebody else? That is something very important for Providence Christian to find out. I know it has been, um, you know, it could be an issue. I know I saw it last year in the region playoffs where, you know, with those two guys, if they're not scoring, it can get a little stagnant on offense. Sometimes the players kind of look around and, you know, if they're not scoring, who's going to score the ball. Uh, So someone does need to emerge as a third scoring option. If they get that ironed out, Think Providence Christian has as good a chance as anybody uh, to win a state title, but it does come down to do you have enough scoring options between or beside your top two D one players? Um, but to have two Division one players, you are in a very good predicament right there, and that's a good problem to have for most teams. Storyline in Class A private: the parity is high. The parity is high. This is the first time since two thousand eighteen. Um, well, yeah, since 2018, a team other than St. Francis or Green Force didn't win. Um, you know, I'll read off what we had here. It was the first time, just the second time, the second time since 2013, a team other than St. Francis or Green Force won the Class A private state title. So, parity is high. Um, Green Force again, every single year they had the most talent on paper. I don't know what the issue is over there, but again, if you just played games on paper, Green Force win the state title pretty much every single year. Um, but they they have to figure out, you know, they always have moving pieces there. They gotta figure out how to get that right. But their talent is just absolutely loaded. Now it's up to them to get the job done. But I've seen it enough to not put Green Force number one and not even put them number two. Instead, I'm looking at teams that dominate with defense in Class A private, and that would be Galloway, who's ranked number two. They don't have seven-footers like Green Force. They don't have a a slew of D1 players. They have Anthony Arrington, who might be the the favorite to win Class A private player of the year. He does everything for Coach Tulewitzki, but it's all predicated on their defense. They allow just over 41 points per game. They grind you. They don't need the size to get the job done. They're fundamental. They get good shots on offense. They are comfortable playing low-scoring games if need be. They are very good on defense. Number four, Christian Heritage, another great defensive team. They only allowed 60 or more points three times last year. Now, I know their region wasn't super world-beater best region, but it is very good this year in Region 7, a very, very improved, very good region. But that alone, they only allowed over 60 points three times. But unfortunately for them, the three times they did allow over 60 points They lost, but Christian Heritage is a team that has a lot coming back, led by the freshman of the year in Jax Abernathy, who averaged over 20 points per game. He is a straw that stirs that drink. Very key player, very good player, one of the best players in the state. And then number eight, Darlington, another Region 17. They allowed only 45 points per game. Again, they're comfortable playing a slow-paced game that will grind you out, that will be physical. Again, this is a team that doesn't have as much Length as a green force or the firepower, but they're very good defensively, and they do have a stud player that gets a job done um, you know night in and night out in Patrick Shelley, who is really an underrated player averaged close to seventeen points, ten rebounds, three assists, three steals, and two blocks a game is a six three six four um combo guard big time athlete he leads that team and they're going to be able to find enough scoring around him. ...to be a good team. I I like them in the top 10. And again, the defense of Galloway, Christian Heritage... ...and Darlington, just so sturdy, just so impressive. That's why those three teams are in the top 10... ...and that's why those three teams have a chance at winning a state title. A dark horse in the classification. North Cobb Christian, saw them in the CTC Fall League... ...very, very impressive. They shoot the three ball so well. They have so many options... Um, you know, the freshman, Josh Dixon, six-foot point guard, uh, helped win the Peach Jam for the what whatever it was, the 15-U, I believe. He's really good. He led the team in scoring in the fall league. I know it was just the fall league, but to lead the team in scoring like he did at 17 points per game and lead the, the league in assists at just under three assists per game, he is going to be one of the most important freshmen in the state. This year, he is cool and collected. He shoots the ball very well off the bounce and off the catch. He is going to be very big for Coach Mata. Also, Tremaine Davis, a six foot three senior. Averaged just under 16 points and five rebounds a game last year. He shoots the ball exceptionally well, and he is very gifted athletically, physically, a very strong kid, but he shoots the light out. Shot over forty percent from three last year. You have the six foot four swing man, the lefty Jack Hewitt. 14 points and 7 rebounds a season ago. His 3-point shooting can come and go, but he can keep defenses honest and hit maybe 1 a game, maybe 2, depending on the attempts. So he's more of the slasher, but he brings great energy and does a lot for this team. You have the junior, C.J. Wallace. He hit how many threes? Eight threes in a single game? Set the school record, I believe. That's a good 3-point shooting guard, that average or, you know, shot at a 36% clip. Another kid that's going to come off the bench most likely, the junior Christian Hernandez, he shoots the ball lights out. I saw him hit, you know, six threes and then five threes in another game. He has a neon green trigger, and he will come off the bench and snipe from deep and fill it up. This team stretches the floor so well, and how that works is because they have two big guys inside, two transfers, and Sam Agunle, who comes in from Solid Rock, about 6'5", junior, much more of a defensive presence, gets on the glass, scores on putbacks, can dive on the pick and roll, and can block some shots, but Albert Wilson, Six foot six listed at 240 pounds. I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't know what grade he's in. I've seen him listed on his old school at Gilbert Christian in Arizona. He was a 2022, he was a 2022 on Max Preps, he was a 2022 on Huddle, he was a 2023 on um, Prep Hoops in Arizona. And now he's coming to Georgia and saying he's a 2024. I don't think he's a 2024. I don't know. You can't reclassify in the GHSA, so I don't know how many years of eligibility he has. But if he is a 2023, um, either way, 2023, I think he's a legitimate D1 prospect. If somehow he's only classified as a 2024 um definitely a division one prospect but he could be a difference maker average over 17 points and 10 rebounds a game last year in arizona strong physical rebounds pushes the ball can shoot the three a little bit uh, scores with his back to the basket he could have a opportunity to emerge as one of the best big men in the state of georgia in class a private if he is able to do so and again, I don't know, I have him listed as a junior, just kind of splitting the difference as far as what grade he really is. And again, we've seen players that have been older and uh, have, you know, had the lead before their senior year have exhausted eligibility. I don't know what the case is going to be, but conservatively, I will say that he is a junior instead of a sophomore. But Albert Wilson is a very good player that is going to make his presence felt in class a private right away and if he is able to play up to his potential along with dixon davis hewitt wallace and a gun lay north Cobb christian coming out of region seven currently ranked number five to open up the season this is a very scary team now for some teams that just missed the top 10 saint francis 16 and 10 daryl armstrong the new head coach uh transfers really picked apart at this team uh last year was pretty crazy with what happened with ineligible and transfer and injury and somehow, some way Drew Catlett still got this team to a final four. That tells you how good Coach Catlett was, but he is now gone. Um Seth Hubbard left. Trenton Flowers flirted with coming over, played with them in the GBCA and then he left. Both of them went to Huntington Prep in west virginia but they do pick up justin mitchell who has bounced around this offseason and ahmaud clark who left grayson and they pair them with drew robinson who i believe is still there so that is a team that they have some talent but i just don't know if all the pieces are going to be there to continue to uh you know gel and form again this could be a, a case of a team that gets better as the season goes on but just a lot of moving pieces, a lot of new faces there saint francis is going to have to take a little bit of time to gel together and figure out what type of team they want to be this year. Stratford Academy, um, their last year in the GHSA, breaks my heart, but 19-7 and a season ago out of Region 1. Say farewell to Region 1. Region 1 is leaving to go to the GISA or whatever they want to name their new conference. Um, So their swan song, they have Isaiah Josie, a talented senior guard and then khalil green is picking up high major offers every day as a very dynamic sophomore guard so this is a team that should be much improved Um, with those two guards right there you got you know two college level guards um, they're going to be in the hunt, and especially in a, a somewhat of a weak region. First Presbyterian day will be solid again this year. I liked them a season ago, but Jordan Jones is gone, but Jay King will still be there. So they still do have a lot of cohesion. But other than that, Stratford Academy, I think they should emerge as a two seed out of that region if they can't get the one seed. And lastly, Mount Vernon Presbyterian, 10 and 12 a season ago. They're in that tough region five that places number two, galloway number one providence christian um it's going to be very very challenging um but they're going to be they're going to be good you know six foot eight keith williams is a junior averaged 13 points 12 rebounds and close to two blocks a game a season ago a mountain of a man just knows how to score inside and just a high iq player that plays a position very well sincere harris averaged over 10 points per game he provides senior leadership you got the two juniors that provide some athleticism and aj peterson or patterson pardon me and then kenneth southall and then you add six foot nine dennis got the third he's got some big offers already from indiana um was at riverwood a season ago now he's here at mount vernon um a little bit of a standstill shooter has a really good body i don't know how explosive he is yet um but you know he's going to be a mismatch because he can shoot over top of defenders on the perimeter and if he decides to go in the post he can do the same on the turnaround and if he's able to add some more wiggle and get downhill um you know six foot nine coming at you to the cup that is going to be difficult to stop so mount Vernon, they have a lot of talent they're building they're building they're building. I know they lose Chase Clemens, but adding another six-nine. When you got six-eight and six-nine, and that six-nines dynamic on the perimeter, that is going to cause a lot of mismatches. Now, last but not least, Class A public, number one ranked team. No surprise. Drew Charter, an electric backcourt, battle tested, but they do have a lot to prove after they were upset by Dublin. In the Elite 8, 79-63. This is after True Charge just absolutely steamrolled everybody in the classification. In Class 7A, they just put a hurt on everybody. Jacoby Strozer. And then, of course, the reigning Class A Public Player of the Year, Jacquez Thornton, the lefty. Both those guys now seniors. You have Cedric Taylor as well, a very good junior at 6'5", just a do-everything type player. And then you also add an interesting piece that should help out uh, that didn't get a lot of burn after he transferred from Harrison, Cameron Johnson, a kid that was an all-region pick his first two seasons, freshman and sophomore year at Harrison, went to Wheeler, sat the bench, and now he's at Drew Charter for a senior season. So if he's able to produce any of that magic that he brought his first two seasons in the GHSA, Drew Charter is even that much more tough. Um, Really good team, and again, it's hard to pick against Drew Charter, but you know, they got beat last year, and that, that leads into the storylines. Drew Charter, they were out toughed by Dublin last year. Is that going to work this year? What is going to be the methodology to beat Drew Charter? Because, make no mistake about it, I know Towns County won the state championship last year pretty much all those guys are gone now, that was a once in a lifetime, you know, had a bunch of guys transfer in from North Carolina, it was a beautiful run for them, can't take anything away from the magical season, but those guys are gone, uh, Hancock Central, who lost in the state title game, those guys are gone, you don't have Peanut anymore, Leroy Wilson's gone, a lot of those guys are not there, so what will out you know, what will outdo Drew Charter? Can anything beat them? Now, Dublin, again, we'll talk about Dublin a little bit. Um, They lose a lot of their pieces from that team, and I believe we have Dublin ranked number five to open up the season. I know they're not too pleased about that, but when you graduate a lot of your top guys... Um, that's tough. You graduate your top guard. You graduate a big bruiser inside, but they do have talent in Zion Davis. I think he's going to have a really good strong season. And you got the six foot six Deshaun Peacock could uh, really break out as a shot blocker and rebounder. Um, Dublin's going to be tough. They're going to be, um, uh, you know, they're going to have something to say. Twenty seven two a year ago, got beat by a half court shot by Dublin, uh, by Hancock in the uh final four last year. And who knows, if Dublin plays Towns County in the state championship, maybe Dublin would have won that one. But they're going to start at number five. Um, But again, out tough last year maybe, if you want to say that's what happened. Got punched in the mouth and just could not respond. (sighs) Maybe it's a three-point shooting this year. If if Drew Charter's not going to be out-muscled by anybody this year... Can someone shoot them out of the postseason? If someone can shoot them out of the postseason, it would be Social Circle, the number two ranked team in the state, the best three-point shooting team in the state in Class A public. Um, they beat Towns County last year, a game in which I was there. I believe they ended up hitting 10 threes in that game. They can shoot the ball with the best of them. They have Tyrell Branch back, averaged 17 points per game, shot over 41% from three, and then K.J. Reed, a shade under 15 points per game and 34% from three, I think KJ Reed is their best player. He was so good this off season. Again, another dynamic player that can create off the dribble, get all the way to the basket with some smooth, you know, euro steps, uh can drop in the floater, can shoot from the mid-range and has deep range. So those two guys right there, you know, putting in over 30 points per game combined. And then you add in what you have back. Uh, I, and again, this is a senior-laden group. you got Cam Gaither, nine points per game, shot 33% from three. Athletic. Amarian Russell's a good athlete. Then you have a very key junior class, Philip Baines see sometimes. A.J. Vinson is 6'6", 240 pounds, however big he is. That's a big body that if you need to go big, Coach Taylor Jackson, he can go big. And uh, you have Logan Cross as well, who should be able to play some as well. Another six foot six forward. But what really helps bring this team to the next level, the twins are back. Juniors this season, Lamarius and Quindarius Jackson. They did not play last year. Those are two more athletic guards that will provide provide some scoring. Lamarius is a uh, a very good three point shooter, a lefty. Uh, can attack off the dribble, brings more of a scoring presence, while you look at Quinn Darius, uh, another just energizer bunny that's going to get steals, and fly in for offensive rebounds, and play defense, and just do all the little things that add up to winning a lot of games. This is a very good social circle team, easier said than done to beat a Drew Charter, easier said than done to beat a beat a Dublin, you know, all these teams, but... Social Circle, they have everybody back. Drew Charter, they have everybody back. I look at the rest of the top ten in this classification, you know, Portals at number three, but they don't have Fred Spells, their elite shot blocker, that 6-7 that could shut down games. They do have their top three back, all sophomores. Elijah Coleman averaged 18 points per game. Joseph Thomas, 15 points per game. And Amir Jackson averaged a double-double at 13-11. and 11. That's a really good big three, but they are missing that big shot blocker inside. Chattahoochee County has a lot back, but you know they they have to prove some things as well. Um, I think that's a team that loses their uh, you know the number three score, so that is a, a little bit of a void there. Dublin, we already mentioned they lose a a good chunk of their senior leadership, but again, I'm just looking at Drew Charter and Social Circle. Everybody back on both rosters. Drew Charter has two Division One caliber. Players at the guard position, Cedric Taylor, wouldn't be surprised if he got a sniff at a low major school. Maybe by the time he's a senior, he's an interesting piece. And then Social Circle, they might not have those D1 guys, but they had that team chemistry, that cohesion, that depth, and some really good outside shooting. So Social Circle, Drew Charter, don't know if we'll ever get to see it, but that would be really fun to see those two teams match up. Now a dark horse in this classification how about number seven, Lanier County, four of their top five are back. Now I know they slip, uh, they slipped to about 16 and seven a year ago, which is one of their, you know, they're traditionally been winning 20 games every single season, but 16 and seven, they made it to the sweet 16, lost to Terrell County, 58 to 49, a team that was, might've been unbeaten at that time, um, But Lanier County, four of their top five back. Their top two players are seniors. EJ Brown, a six foot five senior wing, and then you got a six foot six forward in Jaquan Pope. You got size and athleticism right there, and they do have some quality guard play around them and a five foot ten senior Ethan North and then a six foot one junior case and register so coach Stites, they they got some guys right there and you're in that region where it kind of opens up in region two Irwin County graduates their top four they were all football players Those guys are all gone. Their top four is all gone. You would have to assume Irwin has to take a step back. Lanier has to take a step forward. Turner County, they lose their leading scorer from a season ago, but they have three really good players coming back. But Turner County, they're ranked number 10 right now. I kind of like Lanier County ahead of them at this point right now with just all the talent that Lanier has back. Um, So Lanier County, if they want to be a true dark horse, you know, if they want to take a deep run, I guess you could say, in the state tournament, they have to secure that number one seed out of region two and give themselves the best opportunity for the best path to make it to making. And now for a team that just missed out on the top 10, you know, it's sometimes shooting fish in a barrel. Class A public can be very, very tough. Sometimes there's a limited amount of stats provided, a limited amount of information that's out there on these teams you don't know who's playing football full-time who's playing basketball who's doing this who's doing that covid wrecked this classification a year ago with teams hardly playing at all which was just a nightmare trying to compare teams that have played 20 games to teams that have played eight games how do you rank that it's very challenging and a team that missed out on the top 10 and a team that was affected by covid last year is mitchell county Five and five a season ago. They lose Manny Harris, who's at Georgia Southern now. But two through five is supposed to be back. And a lot of those guys are seniors. Desmian Daniels, Roderick Bodifer, Malcolm Jones. How about six-foot-six wing Xavier Wilcher? He caught my eye this offseason. I think he could be a breakout star, a very intriguing prospect, super bouncy, rebounds the ball can defend multiple positions but really what really stands out with Wiltshire he's a really good outside shooter can really shoot the three-point shot average just under four points and three rebounds per game I would be surprised if he's not in double digits scoring and leading this team um, this season Mitchell County a sneaky amount of talent on this roster if they let Xavier Wilcher do his thing I think you could see Mitchell County in the top 10 at some point this season And with that, that concludes the preseason preview of the GHSA 2021-2022 boys basketball season, breaking down all eight classifications, trying to touch on as many players and teams as possible, just giving you a little bit more than what you may be able to read with a subscription on sandyspill.com. Again, I very much would hope that you subscribe to sandyspill.com Fifteen thousand words of insight on these teams you're just not going to find that anywhere else and uh you know let's hope for a covid free season let's hope for limited stoppages let's hope for the safety and the health of all our players and as always you know it's going to be a tremendous ghsa season so buckle up tune in and uh you know stay tuned to Sandy Spill we start the season November 13th with Sandy Spill Tip-Off Classic I will be here to provide all the coverage all season long entering now I believe year 6 let's get to it and I will see you in the gym